Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the only place to listen to Chicago's hometown call of Bulls playoff basketball. Sports Radio 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score. Scheffler outshines them all. And Augusta. I think because it's the Masters. Um, I've I've dreamed of having a chance to play in this golf tournament. I I teared up the first time I got my invitation in the mail. Um, we we were fortunate enough to play here in college and. You know, I love this place. I love this golf course. Um, and there's just, you know, if you're going to choose a golf tournament to win, this would be the tournament I would want to win. Scotty Scheffler outshined them all, as was said during the broadcast by Jim Nance on CBS Television. Wins the Masters with a 10 under. Outshined them all. But that's not what anybody wanted. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see Scotty Scheffler win the Masters. But but he did. As we welcome you back to Score Overnight on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm Mark Grody. 312-644-6767. Good time to jump in if you feel like it. 312-644-6767. Yeah, Scotty, hey, Scotty Scheffler is the number one golfer in the world. But what anybody cared about this week, because we got the tease, was Tiger Woods, period. That was it. That's what the story was. That's what CBS wanted. That's what I wanted. That's what you wanted. Everybody wanted to see what, what Tiger was going to do. And unfortunately, Tiger Woods was bad on Saturday and Sunday. 78s on both of those days. Ended a plus 13 overall after shooting a 71 in his first round, then a 74 on day two of the Masters at Augusta. But we got that little Tiger feel again. When Tiger Woods was in his at the peak of his powers, it was all about him and then everybody else. And, 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 and quite frankly, uh, all the other golfers became more interesting, too, because of Tiger Woods when he was in his prime. But everybody was watching and paying attention because of Tiger Woods. And he has been intermittent at best in the last 10 years for obviously, you know, with injuries, not just the accident that he had. Um, so but we, we had it again. And it was the Tiger. Oh, Tiger's going to play. Oh, he's going to play. And so. It became about him, even though nobody knew it was going to be about him until a few days before. You know, it was kind of like Tiger Woods went to the practice rounds. He was good to go. And then whether you wanted it to be or not, whether CBS had intended it to be or not, whether you and I would have watched or not watched, you couldn't help but it becoming about Tiger Woods again. 
and it was it was back to the same old tricks of yeah we're gonna follow Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry and Cameron Smith with his long hair but really what's Tiger doing and even if he was horrible, why was he horrible? And did he did he finish the – oh, that's immaculate. That's incredible. He walked the course four straight days. And it was. I'm not being facetious nor sarcastic right now. It was incredible. But we, when Tiger is playing in a major, no matter what he's doing, we are going to find a way to make it about him. He was the biggest story there, bigger than Scotty Scheffler, bigger than the second-place guy, Rory McIlroy. And that's the way everybody wanted it. And, of course, of course, Jim Nance and the the cast of broadcasters that announced the game on CBS are going to do due diligence to the winners and tell the story of Scotty Scheffler and make sure they are on top of the leaderboard. But they know in, in the back of their heads and in their peripheral that it is still about as long as that man is on the course and now more than ever on the course, it's going to be about Tiger Woods. So it was incredibly disappointing that Tiger Woods did not proceed and and golf accordingly after the 71 because everybody was hoping for something magical, and it didn't happen. And I am not being critical of Tiger Woods' game. I am on board with everybody who, you know, everybody, the stories are going to be written. The, the, I mean, Tiger Woods said it was one of the most amazing things that he has ever done in his golfing life other than winning majors, and it was incredible. This guy almost died and, and at, at worst or at best almost had his leg cut off, and there he was, not just present and walking and living, but he golfed, and he made the cut, and he was there and getting the galleries were following him and he got a standing ovation and whether or not like it almost like it almost shows that the PGA as many stars have 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 uh, sort of evolved and arrived on the PGA it almost shows that it it hasn't made progress that with Tiger Woods there stealing the show that that's what it is. And there are more stars now. There are more young stars. There are more guys that are in the mold of Tiger Woods who could hit the ball a ton. They're in great shape. They're wearing their tight golf clothes. They're doing the whole Tiger Woods thing. But Tiger Woods is the real thing. And all these other guys just don't come close. So too bad that Tiger couldn't do it for everybody. But at least he's back. And I imagine that... When the next major rolls around, we're going to go through the exact same exercise. Can he play? We don't know. He practiced today. We'll see. That's what's going to happen. So Tiger Woods did not win the Masters. That's the story. And Scotty Scheffler did win the Masters. 312-644-6767 is the number if you want to jump in here on score overnight. Some of your text messages. Um, I want whatever Bob is drinking or smoking. Patrick Williams, one good game. And he's a Hall of Famer. Put him in the hole. Justin Fields is the best Bears quarterback already. Wow. Yeah, Bob and I had a long conversation about such things earlier. Patrick Williams had an incredible game last night. He had 35 points. But if you did not hear, the well, the Bulls won 124-120 to 120 over Minnesota. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, DNP did not play zero minutes and zero seconds. All of those guys sat out in the name of preservation. And Patrick Williams felt comfortable taking 21 shots. He felt comfortable taking every open shot that came his way. He felt comfortable driving to the basket. He felt comfortable, you know, running down the lane and slamming with two hands because he, there was nobody there who he had to give in to, like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White to a lesser degree. Patrick Williams was not intimidated by his teammates in this case. The, the one thing in Patrick Williams's very short career is that he has, had, he has struggled to know where his shot is and what he is allowed to take in his in his own mind and how forceful he can be which is pretty damn tough 
when you have guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan taking tons of shots, and in DeRozan's case, playing big minutes, and Patrick Williams played, by the way, 41 minutes last night. So while it was really good to see Patrick Williams do that, it let us know that he does have a wide range of offensive moves. It it also shows that he is it, – it shows to me more that he is just uncomfortable and doesn't know exactly – where he fits in when it's Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. It's a tough trick. And it started last year when they made the trade for Vucevic. Because if you remember, Zach Levine and, and Nikola Vucevic never quite figured out how to play together. I'm talking about last year. They struggled to get their chemistry down. So it left Patrick Williams just completely out of the loop and not knowing exactly where he fit in. So this was an example to to show that when he does feel that freedom when he has to take more shots that he is going to be much more competent and better and no he's not a 35 point guy uh, you know i don't think that this is what we can expect eventually i don't think this was like a revelation game from patrick williams but it does show some of the the first round lottery skill that he has with some of the shots that he was making, some of the drives to the basket, three of four from three-point range. Those were all very impressive things. And I'll make the comparison to Justin Fields, that that Justin Fields, obviously a first-round talent. The pedigree exists. What we saw last year was not a, a quarterback that looked ready, but like with Patrick Williams last night, we saw moments. And it's calculated differently in football. We saw big throws occasionally by Justin Fields where you're like, whoa, wow, that was something. We saw some runs like, oh, my God, I've never seen a quarterback be that elusive and that fast and score a 23-yard touchdown in the corner of the end zone. I've never seen that. So there were there were those revealing moments for Justin Fields where you saw it. And even if he had a bad year overall, there's a tremendous hope for the future. Same thing with Patrick Williams, that even though he's had, you know, a uneven career so far, and it's a tiny career, it's a short career, and he's so young, that there was that glimpse last night of, not because of the 35 points, just some of the shots that he was making and the authority with which he played, the confidence with which he played, that made you say, just like with Justin Fields, yeah, you know what? This dude's got something that, and you know, maybe you're a Bulls fan and you don't get it. You're like, you're like I think a lot of Bulls fans when he was drafted didn't know who the hell he was. We all had to look him up. This 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 kid coming off the bench. Wait a minute, who's this Patrick Williams? I mean, he wasn't one. Of, I mean, he wasn't highly you know placed in the mock drafts with the Bulls, uh, but he he ended up being the pick and we see bits and pieces and just enough like Justin Fields to say. Okay, and last night was one of those nights for Patrick Williams and his 35 points. Iota Sumu, also a career-high 26 points. The Bulls win, and they will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, game one on Sunday, best of seven. 3-1-2-6-44-67-67. Let's go back to the phone lines and bring in Terry in Lakeview. Hello, Terry. You're on the score. Hey, Mark. How are you? Good evening. Great, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. I just wanted to change gears real quick and talk about baseball if I could. Absolutely. Let's do it. Before I do so, congrats once again on the Hall of Fame. I don't care whose Hall of Fame you're going into. It's special stuff, and uh, kudos, my friend. Thank you, Terry. That means a lot. I appreciate that. I just wanted to talk real quick about the Eloy Jimenez, uh, Dylan Cease, and um, Jose Quintana trade. I know the Sox and Cubs don't trade very often throughout history. It's very rare. So I'm not going to even try to make that a frame of reference because it's, it would be a short list, I think. But in the annals of bad trades, and I guess you could tee up um, Lou Brock for Ernie Imbroglio, but, <laughs> I mean, when you're looking at what Eloy Jimenez on the offensive side of, of the game can do and what Dylan Cease looks like he's capable of on the, I guess, defensive side of, of the game with pitching and their youth – and what you what the what, what the Cubs gave what um what the Cubs got in return um, was I mean I guess Jose Quintana for, for straight up for one of those guys 
would have been a very shaky trade. But the fact that they got both of them for Jose Quintana, who I don't even know where he is right now. He might be um, with the Angels or someplace. But well, Check this out, Terry. Really- hey, Terry, real quick, and then I'll let you go on. The Cubs are... The Cubs are going to be playing against Jose Quintana tomorrow when they're at Pittsburgh. Jose Quintana will be pitching for the Pirates against the Cubs. Proceed, my friend. Wow, that is sweet <laughs> irony. But yeah, I mean, just just in the in the in the last twenty years, in terms of a lopsided trade, I don't have a list in front of me right now, and you probably don't either, Mark. But you probably have better access to it than I do. That's got to rank, and it's early in the trade. I understand these; they're 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 very young. But they've got at least six, seven years, you would think, of a really, really, really good window that they can be all-stars and a guy that's probably going to be out of baseball in a couple of years. I don't think Theo would ever, ever want to have his name next to that one. And I have all the respect in the world for Theo. I'm a Sox fan. But, boy, did he botch that one. And it's getting worse by the day. Terry, thank you for the call. Thank you for the complimentary words for sure. Um, And have a great day. Yeah, it it is a trade that it is it, it's not uh, Brock Brolio, but it is a trade that literally is getting worse by the day. Like it's not over. Like it's still we're it's we're still in the midst of it. Like Eloy Jimenez has been very good, but he hasn't reached the peak of his power, so it's going to keep getting worse. Dylan Cease certainly, I don't think, has reached his potential. But the, I mean, today, like Dylan Cease today, yesterday, five innings, one run, and eight strikeouts. Jose Quintana, as I said is on a bad rebuilding Pirates team. Cubs are off today. They're at Pittsburgh tomorrow. Drew Smiley against, yes, Jose Quintana. When they made the trade, I thought it was a – I did think that it was tough to see the Cubs from a Cubs perspective and having been with the Cubs at that time doing pre- and post-game, it did seem like a lot because you're giving up a premier – outfield prospect and you're giving up a I don't know if Dylan Cease was considered a premier pitching prospect but he was definitely considered upper tier and if it all went right a a guy with tremendous potential a guy who's thrown the ball 100 miles per hour has a big repertoire of pitches but what it felt like from a Cubs perspective, you're in your winning window. You're you're in the 2016 year. It's the All Star break, and you are trying to get a guy who looked like, with the Sox, that he was a two, maybe a three. He never was that with the Cubs, and he became a guy like. People who were apologists for Jose Quintana would say he gives you innings. He's an innings eater. The last thing you wanted was an innings eater when it came to you want to you hear words like that. Dependable starter, innings eater. No, 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 no. You wanted a guy who shut down the opponent and you won because of, and he becomes a dominant force. He becomes a number two or, again, at worst, a number three. You could live with that. Like, if you had gotten that, like, I think the Cubs knew. I mean, when you're the team that is uh, trying to win, you're always going to be the team that overpays. So it wasn't a crime that Theo Epstein overpaid. What happened was they did not realize that that he was losing his powers. That is Jose Quintana. And I don't know whose fault that is, Like, or if one should have foreseen that. Was, was Jose Quintana a complete disaster with the Cubs? No, but you didn't come close to getting what you thought you were going to get from him. He was, like we were talking about Jay Cutler earlier, was he bad with the Bears? No, but he was ridiculously disappointing. Like, he, you did not get out of Jay Cutler what you what you expected to. You did not get out of Jose Quintana what you expected to get. And the White Sox are getting what they expected to get out of Aloy Jimenez. I don't know if they're getting what they expected to get out of Dylan Cease yet, but that's still a work in progress, and... The Cubs are still losing that trade a little bit every day until it maxes out someday. <laughs> it ain't over yet. It's still it's still ongoing. And there's also there's always a chance too that you know that Dylan Cease or Eloy Jimenez like they just their their careers are derailed. But I don't see that happening. Um, so it's a a big yeah. The Cubs won the uh, <laughs> they won the George Bell Sammy Sosa trade by a by a wide margin. 
the White Sox are running away with this trade right now. 312-644-6767 is the number. Frank is on I-80. What up, Frank? Hey, bro. How you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, especially when you're on. I feel better. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. And I feel better when you call. This is really working out for both of us. Hey, uh, did you see that King Richard about Serena and uh, Venus's dad? Did you see I, the I have not yet seen it. I have threatened to watch it a few times, and I just haven't felt the energy yet. So I will. I haven't seen it yet, though. I watched it last night, Mark. I mean, I mean, this guy was like denounced. He was, he, the, the, you know, they didn't want him in that in that position. I tell him the girls what he wanted, but he got him, he got him out of the ghetto. I mean, this guy was amazing what he did. Remind me of my dad. He was hard, hard nose. You won't listen to anybody. It was just amazing. It was amazing. And these girls, what Serena's probably one of the best tennis players that ever played the game. Am I right or wrong? Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I think she's the greatest women's center of a uh, tennis player of all time. I don't know how the world looks at when we say who's the greatest. Do we have to segment it, men's or women's? I think you do. But, yeah, I, I, point taken, yes. Okay. Let's go to the Cubs. Let's do now it. Now, in baseball, in baseball there, the, the, a lot of teams are throwing at each other. You notice that? A lot of teams. Yeah, we had a little uh, kerfuffle the other day with uh, Andrew McCutcheon. But you want to know what? The Cubs are getting thrown at nonstop. What would you do? Yeah, Wilson Contreras. He gets keep. He's been hit twelve times by the Brewers. Right, right. So I real Rossi. I didn't like Rossi, but I'm liking him more and more. I'm okay. liking him more and more. What's uh, hey Frank? Let me ask you this really quickly. I know this wasn't where you were going with this, but why did you dislike David Ross prior to now? Um, me and Les. Last year, I got into it with Les because I thought, uh, I think Rossi was like a yes man to Theo Epstein. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like yes man. Okay. I don't like, like, like you, you want to say a homer, a homer. Okay. okay. I can see that. No, I can see why you would say that. I can see why you'd say that. Got you. Right. But, but now he's starting to get his, I'm glad Epstein's out of there. I, I, I think he's starting to get his old, his old people. I mean, you know, Willie Contreras shouldn't be getting thrown at, and Milwaukee's doing it on purpose. Well, when they threw him <laughs> a cushion, it didn't hit him. They threw him behind him, or was it in front of him or behind him? And then he threw at him. And then McCutcheon, I don't care about Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon, you know, Milwaukee is a bunch of crybabies. I think that you know, I, I love baseball when they start throwing at each other. I'm sorry, I'm just that way. I'm, it's all right. That's okay. I'm a confrontational guy, you know. Hey, hey, man. There's, hey, there's a. <laughs> you're a guy. <laughs> you love a good hitting. You love a good hitting, don't you, Frank? Oh, God. I, Mark, I, Mark, I love it. If I was bringing you up, Mark, <laughs> and you, if you were my son, if you'd be, I'd be rough on you, Mark. I wouldn't do what you're saying. If you saw me, you'd slap me into doing five days a week, just like King Richard. Oh, he, it was. It was. No, Mark, if you get a chance to watch it, it, you know, these girls from an area that was rough. And I know I got a lot of friends that are that way, and they brought themselves out of that area. And I, and I feel so great about it. And the thing is, is, this guy just didn't listen to nobody. And he knew his stuff. He did know his stuff. But the thing is, Will Smith played a great part, a great part. Mm-hmm. And I like Will Smith. And I still like that Chris Rock thing. I think Chris Rock needs a slap in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. I don't like Chris Rock. (laughs) You just like some good old-fashioned live violence. Oh, man. (laughs) You know, I, I just, I just. I like, I like, I like, I used to like the fighting. I was going to say, Frank, how many fights you been in in your life? What's the worst fight you were ever in? Oh, I was in a fight down on Western Avenue where they called the the Walker Line. Where on Western Avenue, I mean, I think uh, 
I think Vendrosa lives over there. I'm Mount Greenwood. Over there okay. at Westford by Cork. And wait, Gary. wait, wait. You fought. Wait, hold on. You fought Mitch Rosen? No, not Mitch Rosen. I got oh. Mitch Rosen's spot. I'll tell you that right now. I don't so. know. I don't know. I've never seen you, man. Mitch has got a, oh, he's got a quickness. About, he's, Mitch got a quick jab. He's got a quick jab. Yeah. Oh, I'm 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 about five eight, about two hundred three pounds of all muscle. People, people people hear me all the time here on the score. So I'm called I eighty Frank. I own Oh yeah. They know they know who I am. They know I give you a hard time. <laughs> and and a lot of them agree with why I give you a hard time because right. I, I just want you out I used to love you. Hour before, before, uh, before less. I did. Mark, oh, I appreciate Frank. that. Thank you, Frank. I mean, Thank I mean, you. I give you a lot of props. I don't agree with you in the Hall of Fame. That's all bourgeois. So, <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I'm gonna slap you now, buddy. Say that now. Now, now I'm, now I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> okay. Lutz yeah. wanted to fight me every night. I was okay with that, but that's oh. what I like. I like getting up to that old boy and. You know, you know what? I'll be honest, Mark. I never thought a man like that, like my dad, he died, he died at 91. I thought my dad lived 100. I thought, unless I used to tell Sean, they would have to take that microphone out of his hand when he's yes. 80 or 90. Well, our, my colleague and a uh, great friend of mine, Steve Rosenblum, said it, wrote it best. He said, it never occurred to me that Les would die. Just because he was omnipresent. You know what I'm saying, Frank? I think we ought to let Frank go. It's getting pretty loud there. Frank has to go kick some ass. I think Frank's got a he's got a hit list he's gotta get to. He's just gotta go bloody up some people. And he wants to take away take away my Hall of Fame trophy. Come on, man. <laughs> I had to work hard for that thing, dude. Oh, always something. Love love Frank. Love Frank. Size it everybody up. 312-644-6767 is the number. Come on in, man. There is this is a hot sports overnight with the Cubs and Sox both winning. Or excuse me, the Cubs lost to the Brewers five to four. Both teams played, I meant. The White Sox beat the Tigers ten to one. The Bulls win. They beat Minnesota 124 to 120, and they will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, best of seven, game one Sunday in Milwaukee. The Blackhawks lost to Dallas 6 to 4. Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters, and your calls are next. 312-644-6767 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. What's up? Welcome back in on Score Overnight. I am Mark Grody with you until 5 a.m. And then it's Molly and Hoff, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. They'll have a ton to talk about, just like we have in the overnight. They will have the 5 at 5 at 520 at 620. The pick six will be going down. 722. John Heyman talking baseball from the MLB Network, and he's also writing a column these days for the New York Post. And then Stoney will be on at 8 o'clock this morning, Steve Stone, to talk about the Chicago White Sox. 312-644-6767 is the, the number. The Bulls are going to the playoffs. season is finally over. 46-36 and 36 is the way it goes down. The Bulls lock down the sixth seed. The, the problem is, is that the Bulls have the – it is the worst possible case scenario. It happened. It's The Bulls deserve it, too, just the way they've played since the All-Star break. It's kind of karma. The Bulls will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the play. Playoffs. Game one, Sunday in Milwaukee, best of seven. We do not know yet the the exact time of that game, but we do know because Chuck Swirsky called in live out of the blue tonight and told us, yeah, it's a Sunday game, but we don't know the time of it yet. The problem is is that the Bulls are a, a sturdy 0-4 against the Bucks, and they have lost 13 straight against teams that have Giannis Antetokounmpo on them. So be ready. It'll be very interesting to see what Billy Donovan does to adjust because I I have been complimentary of Billy Donovan this year 
about his ability to, or at least his attempt to experiment with different lineups, different adjustments, different offensive styles at times. Um, He has done that. When things have gotten really bad, he has made changes and made adjustments. But what you going to do against this? Are we going to see more of the the Nikola Vucevic in there with Tristan Thompson, as we have seen Billy Donovan do occasionally this year, where those two guys are playing together? Are we going to see that? Um, One of the other issues with the Bulls, it's not just, I mean, yes, we can put the correlation with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the 13 straight losses. However, how many times has Drew Holiday just ripped your heart out with some of the shots that he's made? How many times has has um, Chris Middleton just devastated the Bulls with a, with a three? Or a lot of their role players, like, somehow have a way. Has, Giannis has done damage against them, no doubt about it. He's the, the, a fierce competitor the best player on their team and maybe even the MVP again this year and he he will he he know the bulls just they have a weakness the rim protectors are not there in whole for the bulls at times yeah but i don't think tristan thompson has been and i don't think anybody expected that like tristan thompson was going to come in here at the trade deadline and all of a sudden you you have you know some mammoth down there playing defense he's he's been good at times but for the most part eh, it's been fine so we'll see what kind of adjustment that, that Billy Donovan makes. Watching the game last night that the Bulls won, 124-120, to 120, I, Billy Donovan was all in in that game. Billy Donovan does like him some timeouts. He loves that early timeout. He, he called the kind of a Jim Boylan-ish timeout. Blowout city. Bulls were up 20-something. And third quarter, Billy Donovan calls a timeout because I think he didn't like the way Io DeSumo was playing. And guess what that is? That's a learning moment, a teaching moment. And I guess because Levine and DeRozan and Vooch and Caruso and Kobe White all sat out tonight, maybe the game required a little bit more hands-on coaching and teaching moments and call that timeout and yell at Io DeSumo, who ended up hitting maybe the b- biggest shot of the game, with three with 31 seconds left. But, yeah, Billy Billy Donovan was definitely all in in this game in terms – I always find that to be a fascinating thing. It's usually college coaches that when a team is in the midst of a blowout, you will see coaches coaching their asses off. And maybe that's partly because they don't want to see the NBA thing happen where they lose that lead. But even like towards the ends of games, I think some of that is showmanship. Some of that is I, I'm, my team's up by 20. Let me and let me be part of this. Let me show you why. Because I'm over here. I'm over here barking out signals, and I'm not going to let these guys, you know, your 30-point lead should be a 40-point lead. Uh, but, yeah, and I, I just thought it was – I just saw a little bit of a difference in Billy Donovan last night, then, then and nothing wrong with it necessarily, but there was a, a a slight difference in his demeanor. And he's not like a super laid back coach anyway. I mean, he's not you know he's not Tibbs, um, but you know he's also not Phil Jackson. You know he's not sitting with his legs crossed on the bench and you know when there's three seconds left and the Bulls are down one you know that's that's Phil Jackson for you but you know Billy's pretty talkative but he 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 was he was intense and I think part of it is he knows that a couple of those guys anyway that were out there you know Patrick Williams and Io DeSumo if it's all hands on deck man there's going to be no like well you know the rookies it's the playoffs now we're gonna you know we're not going to see Io out there as much or Patrick no nope especially against Milwaukee man you need you need Patrick Williams being the best defender out there on the court you need Io DeSumo to get back defensively where he was earlier in the season and get on Drew Holiday and get on Chris Middleton like these guys are going to play big parts man and they they are going to be thrown in there will be no, you're not going to do things differently in the postseason than you did during the regular season. That is for sure. And I do like the fact, I do like the fact that there is a week now for the Bulls to work with this, that they have today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, before they play the game on Sunday, 
And I have no idea what that's going to do for Zach Levine, if if that will make a difference at all. I mean, considering that he's got an issue that he has been dealing with all season, it's not going to magically heal. But will the rest actually be productive to Zach Levine? I know it's going. I think it will definitely be productive to Demar Derozan, whether he thinks it or not. He is needed to get off of his feet. I think the same thing for Nikola Vucevic. You know, quietly he's been workman like all season long. So. I think it's really good to recalibrate, and the Bulls haven't been able to do that this year and get some practices in too. Um, you know, I think that that's important for for the especially these guys. Like as well as Patrick Williams did last night, and he's had some nice games this year. Hasn't been a lot of practice time with Patrick Williams since he's come back. So you know, just to get that down, and for Billy Donovan to do more of you know the teaching moments that he does during all the timeouts he likes to take now he can actually get these guys on the practice floor and get some actual things done and not just go through shoot arounds and go through the drills and things like that like actually go through real scenarios and game plan for Milwaukee like day I mean I don't know what the schedule is going to be if they're getting a day I assume they're getting a day off probably tomorrow and then you know then then you can do some I mean they haven't been able to do that so that's the only thing I could imagine that could possibly make a difference for the Bulls, except for in, in those you know four games that they lost this year, where essentially they've been outplayed badly in every single game against the the Bucks. Even in the games that looked like they were closer, they they were not that that score. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Um, original Tampa Bay coach John McKay, when asked about his team's execution responded i'm all for it yeah what was that in relation to we were talking about something about coach quotes earlier god that was so one hour ago um cubs april schedule from another texture they play the pirates six times um upcoming they play the rays three braves three brewers two more projected record includes the rockies nine and ten gets harder in May and June. Yeah, I was talking about how because of what the Cubs have done in this series, they they win two out of three. You beat Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff 5-4 and 9 nothing. I didn't expect this. The Cubs could actually have a nice little start to their season. They're 2-1 right now. You are off today. Then you're at Pittsburgh for two games. It's a bad Pirates team that's not interested in winning. You can beat uh, Jose Quintana tomorrow. Drew Smiley, it's on you. So you've got opportunities there. Then you're off to Colorado, another team in flux. So, yeah, I know it gets harder with some of the teams that are mentioned in that text with with the Rays and then more Brewers, but, hey, if you get off to like a five and one, five and two start, something like that, even five and three, that's nice. That's nice. And for and, and I still no, I still don't think the Cubs are going to compete for this division. But if they're going to, a a fast start is required, and it has been impressive, except for what went down yesterday. A five four loss to the Brewers. Marcus Stroman, good. Jesse Chavez, Daniel Norris, not good in in the game, but it's big. I, I didn't expect that the Cubs were going to get what they got out of Justin Steele. I did expect them to get what they did out of Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman, but you know, who, who knows, you know, there is, there still is mystery in Justin Steele and the starting staff for the Cubs this season. And we'll see how old Drew Smiley does against Jose Quintana tomorrow. Three, one, two, six, 44, 67, 67 is the number. Uh, more of your calls coming up at the top of the hour. We had a, like I told you, sometimes strange, random things happen on the overnight, and we'll get a call from somebody that we don't necessarily expect to get a call from. We got a surprise call earlier here on The Score Live. We will bring that to you eh, in about 15 minutes or so. But in the meantime, you. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Molina <laughs> swings and misses strike three. Now there's one that Ben Zobras can tell his grandkids about. 
especially if Molina makes the Hall of yeah, Fame someday. Right. Why in the world would we be playing a Ben Silberest highlight and one in which he is a pitcher, which neither Sean Sears nor I remember? <laughs> God, the Ben Silberest era seemed like such a long time ago. Welcome back in at Score Overnight. I am Mark Grody. The, there's a story in the Chicago Tribune written by Paul Sullivan that says that the manufacturer of the Cubs 2016 World Series championship rings filed a federal lawsuit Thursday against an auction house and collector over a replica ring bearing Ben Zobrist's name uh, that the lawsuit says was stolen. The... <laughs> It's funny, like, it's been, what, um, seven years now? Like, these ring stories are going to start to come out. Like, they were very protective with the dispersing of those rings and the the dollar purchase so you couldn't sell them and all of that. Um, so I, I did wonder when things stories like this would start to come out. The manufacturing company, um, Jostens, I think that's how you pronounce it, said the, the duplicate ring is worth, this is a duplicate ring, Worth more than $75,000. Man, I got a retirement plan sitting in my room. Jostens is seeking monetary damages to be determined at trial. Um, Jostens contends in the lawsuit that the Heritage Auctions has not returned the stolen sample. You switched the sample. Uh, the ring was slated to be auctioned off last year, and its collector will not release his claim to the title to the stolen sample. So, in other words, you falsified your research. That that has happened here. Um, and I know this is getting convoluted. Jostens in the lawsuit said Heritage Auctions indicated it would not transfer possession, quote, without a duly executed release of the title claim or a court order directing the release of the ring. Release that ring, man. A um, couple more graphs here. When the when the auction house tweeted last June that Zobrists uh, would be the first Cubs player ring to hit the auction block, speculation as to why the most valuable player of the 2016 World Series would sell his valuable possession was rampant, including in... The Cubs clubhouse. One player said Zobra's former teammate could buy the ring at auction and give it back to him. Heritage Auctions told the Kansas City Star the ring's owner was, quote, a collector of championship hardware and had bought it from Zobrist. Mm-mm-mm. But the day after the story went viral, in 2021, Zobers denied that he had, had sold his ring. His representative sent the the sent to the Tribune a timestamp photo of Zobers wearing the ring to prove it was still in his possession. And they actually, you can go on the website and you can see Ben Zobrist with the ring on his uh, left index finger, smiling in a close-up picture with a beautiful scenery behind him looks very lush um so let's see here i had a conversation with him twice agent scapuccino told the tribune that day i said are you sure you're not selling it he said no it makes no sense why would i sell the ring i'm never going to get rid of this ring never 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 and this is me talking now he's also a multimillionaire. there's no reason for for ben zobers to be selling his ring um Heritage Auctions attorney Josh Banesh declined to comment on the particulars of the lawsuit on whether the ring was in question was real when the dispute over the the title to the ring began last June. It was removed from the auction block and remained in Heritage's possession. So, And it goes on and on. There's more to the story, but I know it's getting sort of convoluted. Uh, but I just thought I just think it's interesting. I, I mean, I knew that these kinds of stories would. I mean, it's 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 the World Series ring of the Cubs winning the World Series and not having done it in 108 years. And I actually understand why the Cubs went through what they went through in terms, you know, as generous as they were with the rings, and they are generous by definition because I got one. Um, 
that they would go through the pains of making sure people did not try to use this as a something to sell and to, as I jokingly said, use it as my 401k plan. Um, but you know, just a, they, I, these kind of things, it's going, there are going to be rumors of it. Who knows? Maybe a player down the road will try to sell it. Um, so I just, I just found the whole thing to be, to be very fascinating. And we got to hear Ben Zobrist strike a guy out. Who, who would have known? Um, from the 708, Mark, would like to hear yours and producer Sean's thoughts on this. I think the Brewers have surpassed the Cardinals as the Cubs' biggest rival. Do you guys agree? Um, my answer would be absolutely not. I think that there there is a really good rivalry between the Cubs and Brewers for sure, but the the energy I still feel even now last year and that I think that I will feel this year unless something has drastically changed. The energy of Cubs Cardinals just feels different than Cubs Brewers. Sean, do you agree with that or no? A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I, I hate the Cardinals. I dislike the Brewers at times, but I, I, I feel like as a, as a Cubs fan, I'm very much, you know, don't like the Cardinals at all. I can tolerate the Brewers here and there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean I and look the 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 fan exchange has gotten intense in terms of Brewers fans traveling to Wrigley Field and moreover Cubs fans tra- traveling to Milwaukee. So in terms of that, it's very similar because it is easy. I mean, it's a it's not it's, it's a long drive to St. Louis. It's doable and people obviously do do it. And it seems like more St. Louis people like to make the trip to Chicago because Chicago is a good city to hang out in for a few days. No offense to to St. Louis. It's just not a vacay destination sort of the way Chicago is. I'm not going to go all Chris Bryant on you here, but you know what I'm saying. So I I understand why you asked the question. It's kind of like in the – with the Bears, the Bears and Packers. I will say that for a while, and I haven't really – measured it or felt it recently but there was a while when the Packers Vikings rivalry was better than Bears Packers it just was it just was like they they were both were good at the same time the obviously the proximity there it exists with Minnesota and Green Bay as it does with the Cubs or excuse me the Bears and Green Bay and there just was some intense games and then especially when Favre went and played for Minnesota. I don't know that that's the case now. Like maybe maybe Bears Packers is I mean historically yes, but I'm just saying like in like say the last 15 20 years it's very possible that Packers Vikings has been a more significant rivalry than than Bears Packers. And I know that's like sacrilege and you can't you're not allowed to say that. But I think it's a dirty little truth. I, I do. I think that that absolutely exists. Um, from the 312, worst trades involving Chicago players. Rangers trade Sosa for Baines. Yeah. Dodgers trade Canerco to the Reds for Jeff Shaw. Yes. Pirates trade Ramirez and Lofton to the Cubs for three obscure players. <laughs> I couldn't even. That's a good trivia question right there. I, there's, I could not tell you who the players were that the Cubs shipped to Pittsburgh, not right now, not not off the top of my head, but that was a fantastic deal made by Jim Hendry when he made like immediately, like Aramis Ramirez just got off the bus hitting, comes to like hits of concept in that year, in that year, um, and really never stopped hitting. Aramis Ramirez was a terrific Cubs player, terrific, um, one of their best third basemen, period, and um, and then Kenny Lofton was great that year too he was terrific um played the part in center field was it Corey patterson who got hurt i think it was Corey patterson who got hurt for the year you're right right and uh lofton comes in and was just tremendous was a perfect fit um for that cubs team and had a lot to do with getting the cubs where they got um and then where they didn't get in 2003 um 815 just checking in checking in um cards and packers fan frank 
on a I eighty. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, let me read this correctly. Cards and Packer fans, Frank on I eighty, both stink. <laughs> hey, hey, careful. Frank will kick your ass. Okay, he's like Ditka. He'll come down to Washington and he will whip your ass. Um, Grody for Hall of Fame. He has the ring. Dave in Collinsville. Yeah, I mean, Frank on 80 dismissed my Hall of Fame induction. Uh, I brought the ring, by the way, when I did my, my Hall of Fame thing. There's not many opportunities left in life where I bust out the Cubs World Series ring. I just I just don't. I don't wear it anymore. And uh, just because it's just, it's just, you know, it's kind of obnoxious if I was to wear it all the time. And there's, so there are only a few opportunities left in life where I, I feel comfortable wearing it. And if, you, if you're not going to wear it to your broadcast Hall of Fame induction, where else are you going to wear it? And it was, a very, it was a very popular item. I didn't try to auction it off, but there were pictures taken of, of the World Series ring. That is for sure. 312-644-6767 is the number. Coming up. We are going to have a uh, surprise guest on the score for you. I'll just say that on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 